Hey friend, welcome back to Bible Tracked Echoes. I'm Mike McCurry, your host. I want to thank you so much for tuning in once again today. We are at the midweek of the program for this week, and we are expounding on from Scripture a thought. When the best, specifically God's best, isn't good enough. You say, of course, God, if he puts his mind to something, if I can humanize him just a little bit, he can do anything he wants. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's omniscient. He knows everything. And you're exactly right. But at the same time, God does not force his people, us, to do anything. We are not automatons. He offers the best but he allows us the choice to say no. I think back to a verse that we shared yesterday, Matthew chapter 7, verse 9, Or what man is there of you, whom, if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? God will give us the best. We may even ask for the best, but then when it comes down to crunch time, oftentimes we refuse God's best. Yesterday we spoke about how sometimes we choose sin over God's best. Today we're going to talk about something just a little different. Matthew chapter 26, verse number 14. Then one of the twelve called Judas Iscariot, went unto the chief priests and said unto them, What will ye give me? And I will deliver him who is him unto you. It's Jesus, of course. And they covenanted with him for thirty pieces of silver. And from that time he sought opportunity to betray him. That pronoun him, it's talking about Jesus Christ. Judas Think about this for just a moment. He literally was confronted with salvation in human form. And what does he do? Matthew chapter 26, verse 47. Matthew 26, 47, the Bible says this. And while he yet spake, lo, Judas, one of the twelve, came, and with him a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now he that betrayed him gave them a sign, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same is he, hold him fast. And forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. And Jesus said unto him, Friend, wherefore art thou come? Then came thee, and laid hands on Jesus, and took him. Judas chose not just sin, of course, but he went a slightly different direction. Instead of the best, he chose silver. He chose the goods of this world. He chose material riches and wealth. You say, what a foolish, foolish choice. Of course, 30 pieces of silver. I don't know how much silver was worth back then, but it wasn't worth Jesus' life. Of course, we know it was part of God's plan so that he would end up on the cross dying and shedding his blood for you and for me. But even so, we can still observe a mistake that Judas makes. I've heard it said, probably much more poetic options than this one, I'm paraphrasing, but Judas kissed heaven's door 
and yet still went to hell. He had access to salvation in human form and still chose his own way. Luke 22, verse 3, Then entered Satan into Judas, surnamed Iscariot, being of the number of the twelve. And he went his way and communed with the priests and captains how he might betray him unto them. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, this thought about money for the love of money. We often say, I've heard people say, money is the root of all evil. That's not correct. For the love of money is the root of all evil. Money can do good, can be used for good. It's the love of money that can be a problem. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which, while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. I think of that rich young ruler. He was told by Jesus, go and give all that you have. Jesus was savvy enough, discerning enough, and he was God enough to know that the man would not give up his riches for God. What you won't give up for God, de facto, is your God. Friend, will you give up some things that you hold dear? What is it? You say, maybe it's not money itself. Maybe it's not a large bank account or a big number with many commas or zeros. But maybe it's something purchased with money. Can we meddle just a little bit? Maybe it's that boat. Maybe it's that motorcycle. Maybe it's all those guns. Maybe it's... Now, all of these things are enjoyable. Bows. Oh, yes, I enjoy it. Golf. Yeah, sure. I'm not great. I'm not even good at it. I was going to say I'm not great. I'm not good at it. I enjoy it. I'd probably go about once a year. I'd go more if I had the time. But if any of those things come between me and God that I'm not choosing God's best, am I? And that's what Judas did. How about this, though? It's not just sin. That can be a killer. I mentioned yesterday how much I understand sin. Of course, it's pleasurable for a time. It always leaves scars, and sin will keep you longer than you want to stay, make you pay more than you want to pay. But how about this? Sin, silver, or skepticism. I think of the children of Israel. I think about Numbers chapter 13 and 14, how they questioned constantly. That Those aren't the only places, but how they almost constantly questioned God's man. All the way back to the book of Exodus, really. They barely, they hadn't even left Egypt already questioning. Then they barely leave, and now they're questioning. And then they're on the other side of the Red Sea. They're questioning. They're about to enter into Canaan, questioning seemed like they were always skeptical of what God wanted them to do. I think of Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Oh, I wonder, how much of an evil heart of unbelief do you and I have? James chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. But let him, meaning a Christian, let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. When was the last time you trusted God all the way? Has there been 
a necessity for that. There always is a necessity for that, but we often treat God as if he's a genie in a bottle, don't we? I preached a message many years ago as a young man titled, How Big Is Your God Box? And it was not a very particularly pithy title, but the thought was we all have a break glass in times of emergency type God, and that's how we treat him. Basically, we just wait till the fire alarm goes off, and then we go looking for God. And my thought was this, your box should be so big that the entire world, the entire universe is inside of it. Because your box should not be the size of a ring box that you open up to ask a bride to marry you. It should be so large that everything fits inside it along with God. Really, there shouldn't be any box at all. We try to put God in a box because we don't want him to be big. God is big. He's more powerful than we could ever imagine, and yet we treat him so small with such skepticism. I pray that that is not the case for you. What is it that you're choosing over God's best? We're going to talk about a few more items over the close of this week, but maybe, just maybe it's sin. Maybe you've already been convicted about that. Maybe it's silver. Maybe your job is causing you to trust more in money than in God. Maybe it's just skepticism. You just don't trust him in general. Let's get that right today. And we'll talk about more tomorrow. Now, before we go anywhere, I want to tell you about a gospel tract. I've got one in my hands right now. We print and produce millions of gospel tracts every year. And this is one of them. It's called, Where Are the dead. This gospel tract has seen great inroads in Spanish-speaking countries, of course. Uh, how do you say it? Dia de las Muertes? Uh, something like that. If you speak Spanish, please forgive me for butchering your beautiful language. But they celebrate a day of the dead. And so this particular tract, we've seen great effect there. But it also works in English-speaking nations because many wonder, where are the dead? Well, that depends on how they died. Revelation 14, 13 says you can die in the Lord, or John 8, 21 says you can die in your sins. We know, Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We know we're born with a sinful nature, that we're not a sinner because we sin, we're, we sin because we are a sinner. If the wages of sin is death, that means eternal separation from God. And this gospel track continues to go on. I'm just counting alone. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten plus Bible references just on the first half page here or thereabouts. This gospel track is chock full of God's word. And maybe, just maybe, it would be a blessing to you and your evangelism efforts. You may ask, 21st century evangelism, does it include gospel tracks? They do if you use them. We had more people let us know they got saved last year than just about any year on record. It wasn't quite the high water mark, but it was well over one per day on average. People that let us know they accepted Christ. Were any of them a result of you? 
If we print many gospel tracts, we need many people to hand them out. They do no one any good sitting on the shelves of our warehouse, so maybe you want to go to Bible Tracts Incorporated and order some of this gospel tract today. You can pick up Where Are the Dead at BibleTracksInc.org. That's BibleTracksInc.org. I would love, nothing would make me happier than the opportunity to send you some of these. Our wonderful staff will box them up, we'll package them up, and we'll send them to you. Now, as always, if you have a question, a comment, a critique, a concern, or anything else that starts with a C or a Q, (laughs) then you can reach out to me. I'd love to hear from you. I often tell you this text number in just about every day. We have some folks text in. I'd love to hear from you. Maybe you have a thought about this week of broadcasting. Maybe you have an idea for future broadcasting, or maybe you just want to tell me a testimony about how God has used gospel tracts for you or through you. You can text me at 309 616-7240. Again, that's 309-316-7240. Thank you so much for listening today. As always, my prayer is that you have a great day for His glory, and we will plan on talking to you soon. God bless. Thank you for joining us today for Bible Track Echoes, a ministry of Bible Tracks Incorporated. If you would like to receive a free sample booklet of all of our tracks, you can contact us by calling 309-828-6888. That's 309-828-6888. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 130, Dwight, Illinois 60420. A faster way to contact us is to go to our website at BibleTracksInc.org. That's BibleTracksInc.org. There you will find more information about our ministry and details on how you can support Bible Tracks Incorporated. Thanks for listening, and may the Lord richly bless you as you serve Him.